And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Failing, bro. My startup's going to fail. And I don't know. I don't know what's next. What's going to happen? Do I just implode and disappear into the ether? I don't know. My don't mama know. always said I was a failure, so I'm used to this. <laughs> I've met your mom and I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, know, I know her actually fairly well. She hugs me when I see her at the Apple store randomly or when she comes to visit and see an event in the suite. And I'm positive mama didn't call you. <laughs> or if she did, you definitely deserved it. So, but yeah, what happens, man? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you want to perhaps prevent your startup from failing, I suggest that you recognize that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Fullscale.io to learn more. That's our startup, right, Matt? And it is certainly not failing. Definitely not. Did you say we're on the... uh... See, Inc. Inc. 5000, Deloitte 500, Deloitte Technology 5000, Forbes. Yeah. I, dude, we won that other award, and I went back to the drive up at the bank and I tried to shove that thing in the tube. It didn't fit. I said, Come into the office, come (laughs) into the lobby, Mr. DeCourcy. And I came in. I couldn't get it in the little like slide thing that went to the teller. And they're like, What are you doing? So I'm trying to put this award in the bank and they're like, you can't deposit the award. So just because you win awards doesn't mean you're really winning. doesn't mean you're failing. But Matt, what, like for real though, like we see, okay, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but we joked that we maybe could have titled it what the F T W F T X, like, like what the fuck happened with that but that's a, i mean yeah. right now at the point of recording this is that is certainly a startup that imploded in like days so we're talking about ftx the crypto exchange that is only like four years old and i mean the, the guy who owned it sam whatever the hell his name is uh Jackman freed or something yeah SBF, SBF, i mean he man. was worth like 10 15 billion dollars 16 a, yeah, 16. a couple of weeks ago, and then so that has, he owes people money. It, I, I don't know who fell faster, him or Kanye West. <laughs> it's been a it's been a hell of a week for those two dudes. <laughs> no doubt, Kanye, bro. I own too many. I never liked Kanye, but I love a good Yeezy. And dude, but uh, so for those who don't know, F, FTX in the in the crypto space is an exchange competes with Binance and Coinbase and stuff like that. And yeah, evidently they're illiquid. And, and when Come you deposit down. your money there, they were taking your money and like trading it and borrowing against it and lending it, doing all this shit. And so now, now there's like a, a bank run basically and everybody trying to get their money out of it and they can't. And now it's a liquid. And what's even Come crazier, you, so you talk about startup failures, you talk about crypto again for a little bit. 
there was a uh, BlockFi, which was a big one, and Voyager, and and this other fund, or and Celsius. All of them have failed also over the last several months in the crypto space. Boom. And FTX tried to bail all them out. Now I have no idea how the hell FTX bailed them out when them Could they themselves to do with why they also failed was a house of cards. So like yes. the crypto side is full of startup failures at the moment that were pretty high flying startups. Oh, we're yeah. not talking about like weird crypto scammy shit. We're talking about BlockFi and Celsius and FTX. Like these were big names that were like billion dollar unicorns all fail. But, yeah, it, but anyways, well, well, I mean, on a, on a much smaller, like more like, uh, you know, uh, OK, I don't know what it's like to have 16 billion. I don't know. No. So I also can't, I told my wife, I said, I said I was talking to her about that and she's kind of like listening with like one ear partially open. And I'm like, I can't imagine what it feels like to go from 16 billion net worth to like broke. And, you know, so here's the thing. So let's talk. So when your startup fails, what happens? Man, all kinds of stuff can happen. You know, it, I think a lot of that depends on how it was set up. Um, I know a lot of people that have had a failed venture. And, um, and you know, the, the people that I know that are the most successful aren't going to let that destroy them. Um, they learn from it. And in many ways, um, like, well, let's talk about our friend Luke Einsel from Smart Beverage, who got a lot of headlines because he had a competitor. Now, Luke's been on the show before, a good friend of mine. And uh, you know Luke, don't you? Matt? It was You've... Thirsty Coconut, right? Yeah, well, they changed the Smart Beverage. But what happened was one of their competitors did a bunch of really foul play kind of stuff and basically squeezed him out. It was so, so that they, it, it ruined his business, but he, but they did, his competitor did such dirty stuff that they actually have filed a suit that has a RICO predicate on it. Cause they, huh. I mean, like really like they, they defamed him. They did all kinds of really bad shit. And, you know, in that particular case, why his business failed, he's probably looking at a big fat payday for the way that it, it, it occurred. Now, Luke also, so what happened is the Kansas City Star, a big paper here in town, wrote an article and it went viral. And Luke ended up getting thousands of messages about that, including a lot of people that said, hey, man, you really fought hard here. I'll invest in what you're doing next because I like I like the fight. Yeah. So it's not always a bad thing. Now, in the case of like the, okay, you've got these like failed crypto things. I don't know, man. I mean, fuck, how about WeWork? Apparently you can run we work and leave with that and, and a platinum parachute and then get 400 million in funding from Andreessen Horowitz later who knows it, it it's insane some of these personalities are bigger than life and we works a good example of that and then you've got like Theranos like that whole thing that failed like there's documentaries Not gonna on get that funded later yeah, she's going to go was- to jail She's going to go to jail. Yeah. But so if you're defrauding people and doing fucked up shit like that, you might go to jail. That could happen. So bringing this back a little bit. So we talk about your startup fails. Like there's, there's a lot of different scenarios there. And, and the first part of it is like, Hey, I'm trying to do this thing. It's my side hustle. I'm trying to create a company. The idea is not working. I haven't been able to raise money. I haven't found a co-founder. I can't find a developer or whatever and deciding it fails, right? That's totally different than we work crashing and burning later. So, or it's like, hey, we we uh, we raised a Series A, we, we've tried to grow the company, but all of a sudden we've ran into a bunch of problems, we can't find product market fit, we can't grow, 
you know, whatever, or a competitor kills us. Like there's a lot of different like shades of gray here and scenarios of where startups kind of fail. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, define failure. I mean, if it's well, running I'm, out of money and like, at, you know, the day we're recording this, the FTX exchange, according to the Wall Street Journal, has officially declared bankruptcy and the and Sam, their CEO, has resigned. Now, well, you're, resigning, you're resigning from a bankrupt failed place. I don't know. I mean, you were getting fired anyway, but yeah. Well, and some of it is accepting failure and should yeah. you accept it or not, right? Because from there, there's a um, opportunity cost here, right? At some point, you're like, look, I keep trying the startup idea and maybe I should just give up on it because I'm wasting my time because I could be doing something different, right? So that that's another big part of this. And that's why people pivot or they're like, you know what? I'm wasting so much time. I just need to go invest in something else. Like I should be doing something else. Yeah. So let's, let's take this down to a much more smaller, relatable scale for like the local entrepreneur and business owner. What happens after your startup fails? I think that everything to do with that has to do with the way you set up the company and funded it. Cause you know, and I wrote about this in my book, million dollar bedroom. If you decide you want to own a business, it should be its own entity immediately. Like immediately, because the per, meaning like form an LLC, a corporation, something that make, separates you from the business. So in that particular case, the reason that people do that is because it does create that barrier between you, your, you personally, meaning you don't necessarily have to lose your house or right. spend the rest of your life paying that stuff off. And that's why being set up well in the beginning. Now, if you brought investors in and they, and they earned equity, hey, they took that risk with you. So, you know, that startups fail all the time and investors don't get repaid. Um, you're likely going to, employees don't have jobs because there's no paychecks. Like it's shut, it shutters, it shutters. And then in some cases, in the in what you'll see a lot is, um, as competitors may come in and basically buy it for next to nothing. And then they want your clients and they, I don't know, there's a zillion different ways that that. Well, when, so at one point in time when I was raising money for, for StackFi, I ran across a couple of those firms that it's like all, they specialized in buying things that were like on fire, like, Oh, yeah. we'll buy it for two times annual revenue where most SaaS companies would be like five, six, seven or whatever. They would buy it. It, it for, dude, might even be like 0.1. Yeah. Well, like, they, hey, they weren't that walk away from this. Yeah. They weren't that low, but they, I mean, they were pretty low and yeah, they, you were basically, it was like a fire sale and they're like, Oh, we'll, we'll figure out the shit and turn it around and then we'll try and repackage it up and sell it for five times multiple later. Like that's their plan. Well, since we're in the middle of the episode, let's actually talk about middling, which is, I don't know if that's a term. I feel like in my world, I kind of invented that term, but I didn't. Middling is a very common thing to occur for startups. And that's where you have enough revenue traction or funding to just kind of exist in the middle. You're not necessarily going bankrupt and you're certainly not killing it. And I think this is like a super common scenario. Um, so here you are, you, you know, you have a hundred thousand, you have 50,000 a month in, in revenue. You have 49,000 a month in expenses. You're, you're six years in, you're still on this like shitty founder pay. You're not earning dividends. You're not earn, you can't give yourself a raise and you're kind of like stuck in the middle because you, and that's, that, those are, so there's that firm that exists. That's like not the fire sale people, 
but the people that want to come in and buy stuff like that because it lets so in those cases like a lot of a lot of founders are going to look at that as failure Um, and a lot of them are going to be happy to maybe end up owning a small percentage of something that maybe has a chance to earn money later or pay them along the way while they can go and get a job because for a lot of people if your startup fails you're going to have to go get a job well and I, 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 i think you're right there's there's a lot of startups or small businesses that I wouldn't say that they failed, but they're, they're sort of middling around. They're sort of zombies, right? They're just kind of slowly plotting along. And the problem is they, the, the management team, the, the founder, you know, just doesn't have what it takes to take it to the next level. And, you know, their brother is in charge of sales and has no idea what he's doing. Should be working in sales. And, you know, his sister does this or whatever. If you're riding in the middle, you're not a sexy target for people to come put more money in and help it grow. Right. That's yeah, the or they, or, or they don't have the appetite for that kind of risk, right? They're very happy yeah. just kind of plotting along, and and those aren't failures, but that's kind of its own class of of thing that they're not really a startup anymore at that point. You're not in a high growth mode. Yeah, and you well, might, you and you might but you might be on the cusp of failure too because it's like either you're you're growing or dying, you know, when you have a business. Well, the, the, that's what Matt's referring to is, you know, when it comes to market share or like in global political situations, power, there's a finite amount of it. And if, if you're not growing, if you're just static, like someone else is gaining it, you're getting weaker. In your industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was. If you're not uh, growing. Somebody's slowly eating your lunch, even if you don't see it. So, you know who Jack Welsh is, right? The former. Yeah. CEO of GE uh, and GE does a million things. So Jack Welsh, who a lot of people is like an iconic leader, entrepreneur, CEO type. He went into GE like this is like, you know, 20, 30 years ago and really pissed a lot of people off because he sold off all of the divisions that weren't number one or number two in their industry. So like, and, and that created a whole school of business school, like, education and belief that if you're not number one or number two in your industry, you're probably on your way out in a lot of ways. Cause the, cause that's usually the way it goes. Like, Hey Matt, what's the third most popular rideshare service? Uh, Z trip in Kansas city, I guess. Right. Is that, is that even a thing? Like, right. And my point is, is like, you got Uber, you got Lyft, whoever's number three, there was a number three, four, five, six, and seven out there somewhere, but Grab yeah, so in the Philippines. It, yeah, yeah, it's it, well, it's yeah, well, yeah. So, but that's not in the U.S. Like there yeah. are uh, you no, know, international right. things and stuff like that. But you're absolutely but right. Really, really, if you look at most industries, it's the same thing with like razor blades. We've talked about that before. You have Gillette and Schick. Yeah, and, and like else. they own everything else that goes with it. But there isn't a number three there. That's actually you ready for me to blow your mind with vocabulary. When there's two, when two companies or uh, when only two companies own 97% of the share of the market share or more, that is called an ogalopoly. Ooh, big words yeah. today. Yeah. I learned shit on my way to dropping out of five schools, bro. <laughs> yeah. I did a job interview with someone the other day and they were like, I'm four credits away from graduating. Is that a problem? I was like, not for me. No. Yeah. I can't throw stones in that regard, but Anyway, yeah. So, like, what happens afterwards? So, I mean, first off, start you know, s- start the business properly and protect yourself. You know, that's. I mean, Matt and I own each own fifty percent of full scale LLC. And here's the thing: is if it if tomorrow it failed, 
that's where it ends, right? Yeah. Yep. You got to have it all set up. I, I mean, mean that, we even that, that now, but along the way, a lot of times what a lot of founders do is they, they do goofy shit like sign personal guarantees and other stuff. If you're doing that along the way, then that's going to pierce the veil of if you're personally guaranteeing things at a, at a, a different business, you, you may have some creditors coming back and looking for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So on a b- most basic level, if you do need to shut down a business, uh, you need to do it properly. Uh, just because you cease operating does not mean you have, quote, ceased operating. You have to file papers. You have to shut down businesses on the state and federal level. Otherwise, what ends up happening is you're going to end up getting some nasty letters in the mail from the IRS that are telling you you're not filing taxes. I actually had that happen when I owned the ticket brokerage that we moved from Indiana to Kansas. There was one form that didn't get filled out properly. And a couple years after we had moved, I got a call from a lawyer that was like, do you need representation on your tax warrant? I was like, what are you talking about? The dude was like, you have like a $100,000 tax warrant in Indiana. So because a form hadn't, now look, I filled out out the form and put it, and that was a very common thing. But states, if you don't, if you just suddenly ghost the filing, and that's what it looked like to them, they still take the average rate of tax contribution you had been making for you and your employees and Mm. carry it forward. Now, look, because that was a common thing, I filled out a form, I sent it in, I talked to someone on the phone, like same day kind of shit. And they're like, you're good. Right. But those are the little lingering things. Yeah. So where I live now, I still 10, <laughs> eight years later, I still get a freaking letter from the IRS for the dude that lived here before me trying to reach out about a business that, you know, some weirdly named business. And I have tried to return those letters, send them back, and they just send them back again. You can't actually return to sender. <laughs> So I'm like, what do I do? Like, I just got one recently. I'm like, here it is again. And it's like, I, and you know, it's funny because you're technically not supposed to destroy that mail either. So I'm like, what do I do here? I don't know what to do. So yeah, but this is real stuff. And yeah, I think that, yeah. And I think the one thing too is, you know, look, one thing that I don't like is when businesses are on their way out or failing is they're oftentimes leave employees and their clients in the lurch. Yeah. Yep. Not cool people. Not cool. Like I get it. You're trying to save it, but if you know, it's going to flop, like don't, don't put everybody else in a shitty situation. And we're talking about FTX. I mean, dude, there's billions of dollars of real people's money. Yeah. And even their employees, think about all their employees and all their employees that must've had money in it as well. Well, Enron was like that. Enron was, at, you know, if you're not old enough to remember, just Google it. There's a lot of documentaries about it. But Enron, which which was cooking their books and lying about their profitability, and at the same time knowing that they were pretty going to possibly be fucked at some point, and then they're at company meetings, like having answering questions, like, "Do you would you still recommend that we buy Enron shares as employees?" They're like, "Absolutely!" Like, come on, asshole. You know, like for real. I, yeah. I don't want to tell you on that one. You know what I can Crazy tell you, stuff. man? I can tell you something. Something I know for a fact. 
finding expert software developers does not have to be difficult, especially True. when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Okay, so now, have you ever worked somewhere that just like suddenly had a lock on the door? No. I had my ex-wife did. Never been through that. Worked for a place that sold like water filter installation or something. Showed up one day, thing was bolted up, uh, saw it literally and like owner can't be found. Nothing can be found. That dude had been writing bad checks, doing all kinds of shit. The net, I mean, literally it was just like gone, like gone, gone. And then uh, about a month later, we saw an article in the local paper about him being arrested for fraud. Crazy like no stuff happened. No clue on the employee level that anything was a problem until it was. Yeah. Now, look, if you do stuff like that, yeah, you might go to jail. But, well, espe- I mean, especially if you're, I mean, not paying employees, you know, you owe a bunch of employees money and you owe a bunch of vendors money and owe the bank money and all this kind of stuff too. Like, it doesn't get really ugly fast. Yeah. Well, so, you know, all right. I want to go back to the, like, I mean, I, I think a ton of successful people have, I, I, I think failure is a good thing. Um, you know, when, when you, it, it can be, I don't, I don't say I want to encourage it, but it definitely doesn't destroy you. I'm one of the people that's, so sometimes I talk to, to young entrepreneurs and they haven't been in it that long and they've seen nothing but success and it makes you feel bulletproof. I've been in that boat. I've been in that boat. I wrote about that in in Million Dollar Bedroom when I got literally crushed by a Google penalty and went from like 50 grand a month in passive income to nothing over like a less than 10 day period. You know, like, I mean, it's, uh, uh, but I learned from that. And that feeling of being bulletproof, like I don't want to write an investment check to someone that hasn't failed on some level because when you're feeling bulletproof, like you can walk in between the raindrops and see around the corners, eh, you don't always make your best decisions. You're absolutely right. And just because you've been successful once, there's no guarantee you're going to be successful again at 100%. Yeah. Like they're different every time. But I, I think the key to this, and we have, I don't think we've talked much about this today, but we've talked about in other episodes, is what they always refer to as the pivot. It's <laughs> like, okay, my, my original startup idea failed. But is there some way to pivot this to something else that I've learned along the way? And one of the biggest problems is people are really stubborn about that is, you know, they keep chasing whatever the original idea was, even though it's totally not working. And sometimes it can be as simple as like, hey, I I created digital marketing software for plumbers or whatever it is. But I'm realizing that selling to plumbers is way too hard. But people keep telling me that lawn service people need this and I should just make a slight little pivot and do that instead. Like, you know, sometimes it's a really slight pivot, but people get so hung up sometimes about like their big master plan vision that sometimes they just need to simplify it down to a smaller niche. It's ego and pride and being stubborn in a lot of cases. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people over the last decade that have had businesses that failed. And, um, you know, most of the times they'll, they'll come back around to admitting that they saw that the ship was heading towards the rocks and didn't do anything to try to fix it. Right. 
you know, and that's, I mean, that's, I think as entrepreneurs, we've all kind of been in that spot. And I mean, if you're expecting something to change, you need to ask yourself, why is it going to change? You can't like optimism is a great approach, but it does, it doesn't turn into winning just because you're, you're positive about it. Right. So it's like I said, it's like, okay, so the ship's heading towards the rocks. Oh, but we'll be good. We'll be good. Okay. Why are we going to turn the wheel? Are we going to slow down? Are we going to drop an anchor? And I think people do that a lot with expenses. And, you know, with some of the things that I, okay, we're going to be in the trailing vapors of a lot of startups failing in 2022 because venture slowed, venture investments slowed yeah, down. Absolutely. Do you agree? Yeah. Like uh, Carvana's stock is down like 95%. There, there, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of stuff that's going to crash and burn over the next Speaking of fire sales. Yeah. Carvana, Good the Lord. automotive. I didn't you know, realize re- that. retail 95 percent well, publicly well, traded. Some of that, no, that's a publicly traded company like yeah. i'm not even going to call that I, you're not a startup anymore when you're publicly no. traded if i can buy shares on the robin hood app of your company you're not a startup no right but you know but but a lot of companies that operated with uh, i think 2022 will end up we will end up looking back at it as as like the colon cleanse of startups because it's going to force a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of good habits to occur in companies that burn cash. Yeah. Burn cash. Well, the, the, the other thing is accepting failure versus doing something about it. And you got me to watch the, the super pumped about Uber. Yes. And I think they're great a classical series. example. It's great. Did you watch all of them? Oh yeah, I think it's a classical series, example of yeah. of not accepting failure. I mean, they they could have accepted failure right away. Of like, oh, we created a competing cab company, and San Francisco went after us and levied millions of dollars of fines against us, threatened to throw me in jail. And he basically just said, "Fuck you, no, I'm not going to accept this." And said, "Hey, you know what? We're not a cab company anymore. Shut that company down. We're starting a new one. We're a tech business now. What are you going to do about it?" Let's go. Yeah. And just took the fight to him. Right. And, and Uber did a lot of crazy things and bad things along the way, but they're, they're a lot of innovative things too. They, they did a lot not to accept failure, right? Like the legal battles that they had to fight and, and fight with Apple and China and all these different things. Just not accepting the failure, like the willingness the, the to fight. The founder sometimes. struggled a lot too with like the impending doom that he was going to because at many stages, he's like, I can't go back and ask for more money. Okay, well, right. then you're not going to pay your bills, dude. Then right. We're I out can't of e- money. Literally yeah. like his CFO going, well, then I don't know even know how we're going to pay our bills next month then. And, that, and that's the thing. Sometimes that's what you have to do. You're like, look, I can't go back to the investors. I'm going to look like an idiot if I go back to them. I have to figure out a way to do this. And and that's the the, the pressure of, of being a founder and entrepreneur sometimes is you get these really com- complicated, uh, difficult situations and you got to figure out your way out of them. And sometimes it's just not accepting defeat. You just got to keep fighting until you figure out a way. Okay, so let's talk about this postmortem death rattle for a minute. Um, I'm going to tell you one thing that's not going to help blaming. Yeah. You know, like, so, so counselors, not that I know from seeing one hint, hint, ever blaming is a wasted emotion. And so is jealousy, right? Like 
like, like engaging thought and energy in either of those doesn't actually do anything productive, right? You're absolutely right. It doesn't. It doesn't. So being jealous that your competitors beat you doesn't help. Blaming other people doesn't help. Now, look, there may be some blame realization, but you're as if you're the founder and the owner and you're blaming everybody downstream, I'm going to point that right back at you and say, okay, at this point, that's you, buddy. That's you that fucked it up. Eventually, it all if shit travels downstream, on it flows downhill in most cases. In this case, it, you have to begin to take some responsibility as a leader because if you were the one making the decisions and and pushing the buttons and pulling the levers, like is it everyone else's fault that your decision didn't work out or your leadership failed? Because kind of that's kind of where it ends up. I loved. I can't remember what what you. Uh... You described it one day, but it was like taking responsibility for everything. What what was you read a book about ownership? Yeah, it it all rolls uphill. That's not my concept. It's actually a big book, uh, Jocko something, former uh, special forces guy. Said there's no bad teams. There's only bad leaders, right? And that's a military thing. Now with that, he'll also say if you have someone on your team that isn't going to do the push-ups or row the boat that you can't sometimes can't do anything about that. Right? right. Like having, having a guy with no arms on your rowing team isn't a very good decision as a leader either is the point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So you, but, but with that, but that, but that's why a lot of businesses fail. Cause you know, like for me, when I, when I talk to, to a lot of founders that I've talked to and I'm say, what's your biggest problem? They're like, Oh, I, I don't have the right people. Okay. If you realize that, why are they still there? Yeah. And yeah, that's, a, that's a huge, honestly, tough. that is probably one of the biggest reasons why a lot of companies fail right there oh, is totally the reason why. having the wrong people <laughs> and not having what it and takes to make those decisions, yeah. to make the changes. Yeah. I see this in the company I work at today <laughs> where there's like, Hey, there's two or three people around here that nobody understands why they still work here. They're why not do doing they a good job. Yeah. And it's like, somebody's got to make the call of like replacing these people and, and that, people struck, can't yeah. do it. They struggle with it. Yeah. Well, have you struggled with that? I have. I have. Yeah. And honestly, it feels like my gut react my gut reaction is always right. But it's like you, oh, I'll, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna see if I can get them to do this. I'm gonna give them a second chance. And next thing you know, like my business has failed <laughs> because six months ago I should have made the change. I should have hired a new salesperson. I should have did whatever it was. And we would be so much better off, but instead we're meddling around with the wrong people. So the, uh, a lot of, ma- you know, management leaders and consultants and experts will say that if you, that at the right time to fire someone is the, is really the moment that you think, wow, I should probably fire this person. Yeah. Cause you get into It's like, it's like this, that you talk about the gut and I've actually talked about that recently because I'm a few years out of being 50 years old. I've got a lot of laps around the track and I look back at my history and the gut is a real thing. Like I look back at personally and professionally things where I like, my gut was like, you probably shouldn't do this. I'm like, yeah, but everything works out for me anyway. You know, and like, and, and it doesn't. So, you know, so that's, there's a lot to be said about that. And there's a reason you feel that way. Um, you've heard me say this a lot. Your best employees are usually great right away. Um, now here's the thing. If you have hundreds and hundreds of employees, 
it's exponentially harder to have 300 out of 300 be like, like, you know, a triple plus, um, you know, there's places for different people and organizations, but if you are a five person company and two of your employees are bad, 40% of your company sucks. That tells me you have about a 60% chance of making it probably more like a 30% chance of making it. What, one of my favorite uh, sayings from this, I don't remember where it came from, is like all of your employees should either be a racehorse, a workhorse, or sent to the glue factory. <laughs> Who said that? Someone said that on the podcast. It was one of yeah. our guests. I don't remember where it came from, but I love Lerl? that saying. Was that Laryl? I don't know. It but the point been, is, man. like, there's a lot of employees. They're just workhorses, you know, that the, the, they're not flashy. They just come Cameron in, they do Harold. their job. It was Cameron Harold, the COO of former CEO of the 1-800-GOT-JUNK guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was him. I, because you and I, that was when we still did like two, three people on a show. And I think we got mm-hmm. off and we were like, wow, that was a real, that was really good. I forgot about that. Workhorse, yeah, resource, or glue factory, but he's yeah. right. Yeah, so, but, it, but, that's that, but the point, point is, yeah. there's a lot of people that can be workhorses. There's nothing well, wrong with something it. Something slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, you know, like and and some roles aren't as exciting as others, so they don't necessarily attract the racehorse kind of candidate. Right. Yeah. 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 They so, just can't. They just can't be jackasses. That. that is. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and no jackasses. <laughs> no, yeah. Glue factory. Glue factory. Okay. So we mentioned this earlier. What happens to your investors or supporters? Depends on the way you were set up. If they bought equity in the company or convertible notes, they accepted the risk. They're not going to get a return. For sophisticated or reasonable or repeat type investors, they get it. They, they get it. They, they, get it. they should get it. Yeah. They, they, they got their big boy pants on yep. and they do these kind of investments. They understand that they're going to do 10 of them and two or three are going to be huge home runs and whatever. Like there's going to be some losses. And, and don't yeah, do dumb shit with the founder. Like tell them you'll pay them back later yourself or whatever. They accepted the risk. It, it's, but it is hard to go back to them and be like, yeah, I can't go back to the country club after using all their money and, uh, what, you know, losing it all. Like, I mean, that's uh, hard. Most of the people at that country club probably have a similar story somewhere. In their yeah. yeah. Show me the person that tells you they always win and you're going to show me someone that's full of shit. Yeah. There you go. But it's, Put that on Twitter. Quote me on that one, people. Yeah. It's hard to go back to those people though. And <laughs> it's it tough. Well, it's not always hard to go back. It depends on what it is. Why'd you fail? Like sometimes things right. just fail. Like there were definitely businesses that started around March of 2020 that didn't, st- that were probably any other time would have been great, but because yeah. the pandemic hit were immediately done. Yeah. I had one of them that was in event-based stuff. Right. And so like oh, oh, yeah. all the events are gone. You're just oh, yeah. dead. Tons. <laughs> yeah. Glue factory. Glue factory. I feel like start- startups are almost like that. You have racehorses, workhorses, and ones that just belong at the glue factory. Pretty much applies to everything. If you run a horse organization, please don't try to cancel us for that reference. Serious. I'm not. No, hor- no I'm horses not were hurt during the recording of this. Oh, on a side note, when Matt and I joke, we have, we always have talked about our success or lack of success in crypto investing. And we're like, we made enough money to maybe buy one of those mini horses. <laughs> and then we named, hey, thank God I didn't use FTX. Satoshi. That's yeah. all I can say. Our mini horse named Satoshi is, man, 
I don't even know where to fucking start on that one. Like that's its own. I'm thinking about starting a service that tells people when I buy crypto so they can immediately sell theirs. Yes. Yeah, you need to at least yeah. tell me. Dude, maybe. I'm, my new username is going to be Crypto Mush because that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, anyway. Well, dude, so here we are. You know, it's about time for a, a, a wrapping up this episode. And I want to remind everyone if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, full scale can help. We have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. Go to fullscale.io. It only takes a minute, answer a couple questions. Let, let our platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced team members. You know, they're good. They Software engineers, testers, leaders, got it all. Specialize in long-term teams that work only for you. Solving problems, man. So, man, on the way out, like, I mean, what, what, how do you wrap up here, Matt? You know what? We're all going to have some failures. And at the end of the day, you have to chalk it up to education. It's like it was tuition. You know, I spent X years, X amount of money this. And at the end of the day, it was it was tuition for me. And, and, you know, I always tell people, it's like, look, before you learn to walk, you have to learn to fall. And that's the reality. I got a lot of little kids and I watch them fall a lot of times where they learn to walk. Right. And you just got to keep going. You got to accept defeat. You got to learn from it. You got to learn to pivot, you know, Hey, along the way, our our idea failed. I met a lot of smart people. I know a bit more about this industry. I'm going to get the band back together and we're going to do something else. You know, you just keep going. And I think with that, take your time and get the right opportunity, you know, but I think what I want to, I want to start with pre-failure and like set the business up right, you know, because the world's thought this out on your behalf. This is why there is a separation between you as a person and your business and um, try to make smart decisions along the way that don't put you in the line of fire if things fail, like you know, especially if you have investors, partners, co-founders, like you don't have to nest. If you own 20% of the company, you don't need, to, you shouldn't be taking a hundred percent of the risk on a lot of stuff. And, you know, so failure is often going to look like whatever it looks like along the way to failure. Meaning if you didn't set the business up properly and then you might get screwed, um, you know, like, and just try to try to be tasteful and classy about it. Like, like, you know, there are a lot of it, if anyone's throwing stones at you failing as an entrepreneur and they've never been an entrepreneur, don't listen to them. I wouldn't give a shit. Like, Hey, at least I tried. I think the thing is like, like that I always want to know that at the end of on my last lap around the track, Matt, I just want to know that I tried man. And that I did right by people. So if you think the business is going to fail or it is, don't leave, like don't leave your employees screwed. Don't put them in bad situations. And also, if it's failing, you need to understand that it's a perfectly normal thing for people to want to exit a sinking ship. Yep. So, Absolutely. like, that's it. People need to, in the end, your employees, they have to think about themselves and their families. Um, I think that realistically, you'll end up getting judged more on that than the success or failure of the business. People doing fraudulent, shitty stuff don't get funded later. People that took a legitimate try and did it in the right way and were trustable and learned from it, man, they get funded again. They get a, they get a chance to get back out there or they get other great jobs or opportunities at startups. And you learn a lot from the failure. Like I think Matt said is you write that line item off as tuition. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go get back to work, dude. Cause I don't want to fail. I don't want to have to do all this stuff. See you, man. Later. 
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.